I too want to give you just two quick announcements before we dive in to the message for today. One is a follow-up on Pastor Blaine's um, announcement about our Wednesday night midweek connection. Uh, for years, and we will continue, we have kids ministries, kids programming, and programming for our students in middle school and high school on Wednesday nights. And um, as you know, I, I spent four weeks away on sabbatical and was back last weekend. And during that time, I really, I pray, I seek the Lord and, and Lord, what are you saying in this next season over the year of, of our church and do some strategic planning. And one of the main things, the Lord, it was really a conviction upon me as pastor here, was that in the next 12 to 24 months, there is an amazing window that I believe God is giving to us. Um, if you look around this room and if you've been here even the last six, nine months, you will see a lot of new faces. Uh, and that's wonderful. So many of you are, are fairly new to the church family. Um, there's a lot of kids that are, that are joining us, students, young adults. We've seen just an increase in young adults and young families with kids. And this hub that we're going to be opening um, in the days ahead is going to give us a lot of ministry space and tools to do that. And the Lord really convicted me and said, Alan, um, this is a stewardship issue for you and ACAC. Oftentimes we talk about stewardship in the financial sense, but there is a stewardship in um, a responsibility for us that as these kids and students come in and new people walk through these halls, it is our responsibility to get them connected to Jesus and to get them connected in community with one another that goes beyond a one-hour service on the weekend. Um, I know that there are so many, I hear there's so many parents that are, are struggling with the day-to-day -day things that your kids deal with. Our kids and our students are struggling with issues. And it's our responsibility as a church um, not to lead you, but to walk with you in that. And so I'm doubling down. Um, pray for our kids and students and young adult ministries and adult life ministries <laughs> because we're going to look at our plays. Are we running the correct plays? And so that's part of that Wednesday night. We want to have something for everybody that gets beyond this weekday. And so I'm just, I'm committed to that and want you to know I'm really excited and believe God's going to lead us. We want to get you and your children um, connected on that. The second announcement, many of you have asked me months ago, I made an announcement that we are going to be taking a trip to the Holy Land to Israel in 2024. And I had questions, okay, give us details about that. There is going to be an informational meeting on Sunday, September 10th at 1 p.m., and it's going to happen in the hub on the third floor. And so if you are interested, if you want to know um, the specific dates, it will be November of next year, 2024. We're going to give you the cost, uh, the details. It's about a 10-day trip, where you'll be going, what you need to do to prepare. You're going to have, again, over a year to prepare for that. We're going to be taking about 40 to 45 people from the ACAC family. My wife and I will lead that trip. I have been twice to Israel. Uh, my wife and I about four or five years ago, um, we're part of a group, led a group from a church to go. And so if you have any questions, please attend that meeting. If you can't make it, we'll get you that packet so you have all of those details. Today and this weekend, we're wrapping up this Summer on the Mount series, and it's sad in one regard because how many know summer is ending? And um, we're heading into the fall. But one of the good things about fall, leave it, at least in the Hannah household, is that we love football and we know that football season is right around the corner. Now, there is one particular team in the NFL that has the nickname America's Team. Exactly. I was hoping you would respond that way. There were a few last night that were cheering. And so I was, I, 10 o'clock service has always been my favorite service. America's team, yes, we know them as the Dallas 
Cowboys. And that nickname was assigned to them in a highlight film in 1978. So the highlight film begins and you see these big guys in white uniforms and gray and blue with the star on the side of their helmet. And the narrator introduces them by saying, they appear on television so often that their faces are familiar to the general public as presidents and movie stars. They are the Dallas Cowboys, America's team. Not bad, I just did my best. (laughs) However, what you may not know is that there is a backstory to that nickname and that they were not the original franchise that was offered that nickname. Do you wanna take a guess which franchise was initially offered to be America's team? Your Pittsburgh Steelers. It was after the Steelers beat the Cowboys, by the way, in Super Bowl X, that the NFL and then Commissioner Pete Rozelle approached the owner of the Steelers, Mr. Art Rooney, and said, we would like to give the Steelers the nickname America's Team. And you have to imagine this picture. I mean, it's just, it's pretty great. You can see the owner, Art Rooney, He looked at Pete Rozelle, he had a cigar in his hand, he took a puff from the cigar, and he said, Pete, let me tell you something. We are not America's team. We are Pittsburgh's team. So actually the Cowboys were second choice from being America's team. Here's what Art Rooney knew that the NFL and Pete Rozelle didn't. In the city of Pittsburgh, we are not just Steeler fans. We are devoted followers of the Steelers. How many know fans can be fickle? You can always find enthusiastic admirers of a team after they win the Super Bowl. There's a reason why they call them fair weather fans. They're people who only pay attention, who only buy the jerseys and support the team when everything is going well after a great season. However, devoted followers, they are faithful through the winning and the losing seasons. And if you followed the Steelers during the 80s, you were a devoted follower. We didn't win much in the 80s, I'm just letting you know. You see, there's a significant difference between fans and followers. Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. had many fans, but there weren't many who actually marched with him. And there were far less that actually were arrested and went to jail with him. Mother Teresa had many fans, but there were far fewer who took her example and lived with those who were destitute and dying. And the same can be said of Jesus. While many are fans of Jesus, far fewer are his devoted followers. Today, as we conclude this Sermon on the Mount series, When Jesus preached this powerful and his most famous sermon, there were two groups of people that were listening to him. One group was the crowd. And let me tell you, that crowd was very impressed with Jesus. How do we know that? Well, Matthew writes right after Jesus concludes his sermon, Matthew writes these words in his gospel. He says, when Jesus had finished saying these things, that's the Sermon on the Mount, the crowds were amazed at his teaching. They had a, they were a, there was a lot of fans that were there, for he taught with real authority, quite unlike the teachers of the, of the religious guys of the day, the religious rulers of the day. When he had finished saying these things, the crowds were amazed. They were fans. They were big fans of Jesus. 
But something happened in the hearts of a few of them. See, some of them began to move from a fan to being a devoted follower. Something within their heart was stirring. Some of them were saying, wait a second, Jesus, you mean to tell me that my past, my mistakes, all of this private junk that I'm keeping hidden away, that I can be forgiven of that, that I can be cleansed from that? You mean to tell me that I can know God and have a personal relationship with him? That I can have a life that goes far beyond worry and fear? That I don't have to be slave to my sexual desires? I don't have to be slave to unhealthy habits and the need for more and more stuff? That I can be a part of something that's bigger of myself? I can have a confidence and peace that moves beyond death? That I can follow you? That I can be your son? I can be your daughter? that I just need to follow you and do what you tell me to do. And there were several that moved from being a fan to a follower. There were several that moved out of the crowd and became a disciple. Jesus knew that his presence, his life, and his words would have an impact on some. And now, at the closing of his sermon, he is going to force Some people, he was going to force all of them to decide if they will remain simply a member of the crowd, a fan, or whether or not they would become a fully devoted follower. The thing for you and I, we have to decide today is he is still forcing us into a decision. Are you going to be a fan or are you going to be a devoted follower? Let me show you what I mean. Our text for today, here's the closing, closing, the conclusion Jesus says at the end of his sermon. You can enter God's kingdom only through the narrow gate. Everybody say only. Only. The way to God's kingdom, the way to heaven, is only through the narrow gate. Now, the highway to hell, it's broad. Its gate is wide for the many who choose that way. But the gateway to life is very narrow. And the road is difficult. And only a few ever find it. Jesus is saying there is a wide road. There's a popular road. There is an easier road. And many people take that road. And that road leads to destruction. That road leads to eternal damnation. It leads to hell. But if you want to head towards the kingdom of heaven, if you want a path of eternal peace and eternal life with Jesus, gate's narrow. The gate's difficult. It's unpopular. It's not comfortable. But it is the road that leads to Jesus. Jesus himself is that narrow gate through which people pass as they respond to the gospel invitation of the kingdom of God. The problem is, how many know it's not a popular path? It's not a comfortable path. It's not an easy road. And if we're really honest with ourselves, we much prefer easy. We much prefer comfortable. We much prefer the popularity of the wide road. But if you're looking for popular, easy, and comfortable, that road, Jesus said, leads to a place called hell. The path to life and eternal peace is unpopular and far more difficult, but it is far more rewarding. Where you end up depends on what road you take. Now, I'm not, my wife will tell you, I am not the best with directions. I lean on Google Maps a lot, okay? I'm not the best with directions. But I do know if you want to head east, if you want to go to the east coast, you can't go west, 
You know what I'm saying? It's true in the physical sense. You have to get on a road that goes east. The same is true in the spiritual sense. If you want to end up in heaven, if you want to end up with eternal peace and eternal life, Jesus is saying you cannot get there or expect to get there by going on a road that leads another direction. Well, what does that road look like? What's the application? How, what does that practically look like in our life? Jesus continues, and he talks about that. He says, a good tree produces good fruit. He's talking about people being trees, you and I. A bad tree produces bad fruit. A good tree can't produce good or bad fruit. So every tree that does not produce good fruit, it's chopped down and it's thrown into the fire. Yes, just as you can identify a tree by its fruit, so you can identify people by their actions. He is saying, if you want to know what road people are traveling on, pay attention to the fruit of their life. Pay attention to the words and the actions that they do. And he says, you wanna see, you wanna know? The actions that you do will demonstrate whether you are on the good path or the wide path. And this is the distinctive difference between being a fan or a devoted follower of Jesus. Devoted followers of Jesus live differently than fans. How do they live differently? Jesus, again, says it later in Matthew's gospel. He says that if any of you want to be my follower, not a fan, if you wanna be my follower, you're gonna have to give up your own way. You're gonna have to take up your cross and follow me. So if we're going to use words that describe Jesus' followers, the words that we would use would be words like surrender, self-sacrifice, humility, and submission. Thing is, those are not popular words in our culture. <laughs> they are words that don't come easy to us. We like words like influence, power, prestige. Those are the words that we like, and those are popular words in 21st century Western culture. It was true, it is true for us today, and it was true for the time and the people that were listening to Jesus 2,000 years ago. There's a man, shortly after the Sermon on the Mount, there's a man and uh, two writers in the gospel say that he was a rich young ruler. This is a man that had a lot of wealth. He had a lot of position and he was in a, in a position of influence. And he comes to Jesus with one question. Many of you know the story. He says, Jesus, what must I do to be saved? And Jesus tells him, obey my commandments. You wanna be saved, obey my commandments. Now Jesus is getting to a point here because he knows the man's heart, he knows the man's thoughts. And it, it astonishes me, the response of this man. Jesus says, obey my commandments, and the guy goes to Jesus, well, which ones? Like there's an option. And Jesus says, all right, you wanna play this game? I'll play it with you. He says, don't murder, don't commit adultery, don't lie, honor your mother and father, and treat others like you want to be treated. And the guy with pride and arrogance says, yeah, I do that, what else? And then Jesus gets to the very root of his heart because he always knows our heart. And he says, here's what I want you to do, young, rich, influential man. I want you to sell all your possessions and give everything you have to the poor and then come back and see me and follow me. And the Bible says the man puts his head down and he walks away. You see, the man was a fan of Jesus. He didn't want to be a devoted follower. And the issue wasn't as much about money. It's not a message, a sermon about money. It's an issue of the heart. And see, for all of us, money may be it for some of you, but 
whatever it is, all of us have things in our life that we hold on to, that we put higher on the pedestal than we do Jesus. Dreams, aspirations, hopes, goals, things of importance in our life. Maybe it's relationships, our jobs, careers, whatever our identity is. And Jesus is saying, whatever that is, you have got to surrender it if you want to be my follower. Now, is Jesus against dreams? Is he against goals and aspirations? Absolutely not. I have those. He wants us to have them. But at some point, are those more important than being obedient to Jesus and following him? Remember Abraham? His dream was to have a son. And God gave him a son. He fulfilled that dream in having Isaac. But even Abraham, God called Abraham and says, are you willing to sacrifice the dream, the blessing that I gave you? And Abraham was. He laid Isaac down. and God saved him, but Abraham was willing. And that's what Jesus is talking about with you and I. The answer to the rich young ruler's question was simple. It is surrender. And it is the same answer for you and I today. What must we do to be saved? What is the road, this narrow road that we must walk to assure ourselves of eternal life in heaven? It is the road of surrender. It is a road of death. Death to self. Surrender of our wants, our desires, our dreams for us to be obedient to Jesus. Jesus has many fans. Far fewer are his devoted followers. I learned a new word this week as I was studying, preparing for this message. And that word is funambulist. Everybody say funambulist. Yeah, it's a tongue twister. It's pretty easy though. You know what a funambulist is, even if you've never heard that word either. It is an acrobat who walks on a rope. It's a tightrope walker, okay? Now there've been lots of these people all over the world, tightrope walkers, but there's one who stands out above the rest. And his name is Charles Blandon. I think they're gonna put a picture up here in just a moment. Charles Blandon moved here to the United States in 1855 from France. And when Charles came to America, he was a tightrope walker and he visited Niagara Falls and became infatuated with Niagara Falls. And so his dream was to tightrope across Niagara Falls from the American side to the Canadian side. And by the way, that gouge is, uh, gorge rather, is 1,100 feet long and the tightrope would have been 160 feet high over water and he wanted to do it without a net, okay? And he did it several times. Now you can imagine there were crowds of people who were amazed when he did this. And you have to understand Charles was quite the showman. And so after doing it several times, just you would think it would be enough just crossing it alone, he needed to spice things up a little bit. And so at one point, he took a chair with him and he balanced two legs of the chair on the rope in the middle of Niagara Falls And then he stood on the chair in the middle of Niagara Falls and balanced himself. I mean, that's pretty impressive, crazy. Another time, he took a small stove with him and he balanced the stove on the rope while he was standing on it and he cooked an omelet. And I mean, the crowds and the people went crazy. But it was July 15th, 1859, that he really did something astonishing. And so starting in the United States side, he walked backwards. On that rope, 1,100 feet, 160 feet high, all the way across Niagara Falls without a net. And then he gets to the Canadian side, he blindfolds himself, and he takes a wheelbarrow. 
and going back to the American side, blindfolded, he takes the wheelbarrow and he goes all the way down the rope, getting safely to the other side and lands in America. Now, again, thousands and thousands of people are watching this. They're screaming, Charles, you're the best. Amazing. And the story is he turned to the crowd and he says, do you believe that I can do this again, but this time carrying a person in the wheelbarrow while I go across blindfolded? And the crowd screaming, yes, Charles, we believe in you. We believe you can do it because they had seen him, right? And then he goes, all right, who's gonna volunteer to get in the wheelbarrow? (laughs) Guess how many people volunteered? Zero. Wish there were some Dallas Cowboy fans that day. The crowds were amazed. They had seen him do it. They were big admirers. They were big fans. But none of them were willing to be devoted enough that they would actually get their rear in the wheelbarrow and do it. Jesus finishes the Sermon on the Mount, and the crowds were amazed. They were astonished. They were big fans. However, Jesus was not interested in amazing the crowds. Jesus was not looking for admirers. Jesus never went up to someone individual and said, hey, would you like me? Would you be an admirer? What did Jesus say when he approached people? He said, will you follow me? In other words, will you trust me enough with your life, with your dreams, with everything that is important to you to get in the wheelbarrow? Some of us here today are fans of Jesus. You cheer and admire. Maybe you have watched Jesus do things in other people's life. But today, Jesus is asking you, I'm not talking about what you've seen. I'm not looking for admirers. I'm not looking for fans. I'm asking you to choose. Will you choose the narrow road of getting in the wheelbarrow and surrendering everything to me? And that's the question we have to answer, all of us today. If any of you wants to be my follower, Jesus said, you must give up your own way. You must be obedient to him. Pick up your cross daily and follow me. So will you be a fan or will you be a devoted follower? Today, I'm going to give you an opportunity to respond to that question. The first group of people that I want to ask is there are some of you that you have never committed your life to Christ. Maybe you've been inquisitive. Maybe this is your first time here today. Maybe it's your first time back to church in a long time. Um, Maybe you've never heard that laid out, that there's a narrow road. Jesus is that gate. And I want you to have the opportunity to respond, to give everything you are, to give everything you are to him. This is between you and Jesus. It's not between you and me as a pastor. It's not between you and ACAC. It's not about you joining this church or even attending here regularly. Your eternity is not based on that. It's based upon your relationship with Jesus and you trusting in him with your life, surrendering. There are cards on the back of the seats in front of you. All of you have them. There's white cards that are right there. If you have never committed your life to Christ, if you've never gotten in the wheelbarrow for Jesus, all I want you to do is I want you to write your first name on that card. And today, we're not gonna be shy about this. Jesus said the road is narrow, the gate's narrow, the road's hard. 
I know many a times we ask you to bow your heads, close your eyes, sing just as I am, and we make it really easy, and there's nothing wrong with that. But today I really felt in my spirit we're not supposed to. You're either gonna be bold about it or you're not. But what you need to know is that all of us, eternity is at stake. We have no idea how long we will be on this earth. And should the day come where we die, when we die, we will stand before Jesus and we are either gonna spend eternity in heaven or we will spend eternity in hell. It is that simple. And your eternity is based on your surrender to Jesus Christ. So if that's you, I'm going to ask that you write your name on that card. Just write your first name. And I want you to get up out of your seat and I want you to put that card in the wheelbarrow as a symbol, Jesus, today, I'm giving you me. All that I am, all that I have, I will, I'm not gonna be a fan. I am gonna be a devoted follower. Everyone stand to your feet. And if that's you, write your name and come down and put your name in the wheelbarrow. The second group of people, there are some, I have no doubt that you are like the crowds in the day of Jesus. You are amazed at his words. You are admirers of him. Maybe you're like that rich young ruler. I wanna be saved. There's something that attracts you to this man, Jesus. But you just haven't surrendered. It could be wealth. It could be your dreams. Like I said, it could be relationships. It could be your your job, business, all those things. And I'm not saying Jesus is telling you to get rid of all that. But he's willing, he's asking you to lay it at, at his feet. And for you, you want to move from being a fan. I'm tired of being a fan. I am deciding today to be a disciple, a devoted follower, and to live my life forward in obedience to him. I want you too to write your name on that card and bring it in the wheelbarrow. Walk with confidence and come down and put it there. I've asked Pastor Christian uh, to lead us together in this song. And as he does, I want you to come forward and put that card in the wheelbarrow. If it's your first time, If it's the first time you've ever done this, there's an orange bag. Pastor Blaine has it here, and he would love to give it to you that helps you just understand what some next steps are. Pastor Christian. Don't be shy. Just walk forward right now. Put the card in that wheelbarrow, and then you can return to your seat. I put my faith in Jesus. We're going to pray together in just a moment. But two more things. Those of you that put your name on that card and you put it in the wheelbarrow, it's your first time. I want to speak to you for a minute. I want you to know that your eternity is secure. Hear me on this. We are not saved by our actions. Okay? Your eternity in heaven is not based on what you do moving forward. Okay, there's nothing you can do to earn salvation. By putting your faith in Jesus in that card, you are eternally secure. However, the actions, the way we speak, what we do, it is evidence, it is proof that we have given our life to him. Do you see the difference? 
So here's what I wanna tell you when you've committed your life to Christ, it comes with a warning. And too many times as pastors in a church, we don't warn you, okay? The hard work starts now. Do not be misunder, uh, mistaken that when you leave that Jesus is gonna answer all your prayers, that you're not gonna have any more problems, that everything is good. People will tell you that, they're lying to you. The work goes now. Jesus said the road is hard, it is narrow. It's the wide and easy road that leads to hell. But here's the thing, you have people around you that want to walk with you. And more importantly, Jesus said that when you listen to my words, this is in the sermon, when you listen to my teaching and you follow it, you are building a house that can withstand rain and storms because you have a firm foundation. So for all of us, you have to trust in him. For some of you, you're watching online at a distance and you're watching online because you're a fan and it's time that you moved out of the crowd to being a, a devoted follower of Jesus. That is what it means to be a devoted follower, to listen and to obey so that when the rains come, Blue, my house is built. Come on, let's just sing it as we close today. I say with you, I'm gonna make it through. Rains came, rain. One more time, let's sing it together. Rains came, and the rain came when my house was built on you. And I'm safe with you. I'm gonna make it through. I'm gonna make it through. Father, today we rejoice that there are people that have stepped out of the crowd that have said, I don't want to be a fan anymore. I want to be a devoted follower. And Lord, I just want to pray for them specifically because I know the enemy, the liar, is going to come and he's going to speak doubt and fear I pray that they would remember that their foundation now is one that can withstand the rain and the storm. I pray that you would help us as their brothers and sisters, friends, as the body of Christ to walk with them. I pray that you would make yourself so real and so evident to them that your spirit would begin to transform them into the man and to the woman you have called them to be. God, would you help all of us, starting with me, to trust you and get in the wheelbarrow, to get all of our dreams in there, all of our aspirations in there, all of our hopes in there. Even though it's scary, God, may we surrender all that we are to you so that we would be trees that produce good fruit in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen and amen. Do me a favor. Go ahead.
We have one more, one more service. As you leave today, I just want you to have a spirit of prayer. Even if you're going to lunch and all that, just pray. There are folks right now that are making a decision whether they're gonna come to church. And there could be some that this is a divine, eternal moment for them. Would you just keep that in your heart and prayer and spirit? And hey, let's produce good fruit this week. God bless you. You're dismissed.